help me to also pray for um, Pastor Tyler and his family in Tennessee. So uh, let us also pray for them. Father, we thank you so much for the life of your servant, Pastor Tyler and his family. We are grateful for them. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ as they are in Tennessee during this time of their belief. We pray for comfort for, for them and these family. We pray that you will be with them. We pray that you will give a word to Pastor Tyler, to, his, to their family, to be able to bring them comfort and the peace that surpasses all understanding. We pray that blessing over them to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Good morning. It is good to be here. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Is someone glad to be here this morning? Praise Jesus. It looks like people are still finding it very difficult to wake up very early to come here. We pray that the grace of God will abound towards them. Amen. A big shout out to Michael Porter. Please give it up to Michael Porter. <laughs> Woo! The biggest cheerleader of Michael Porter is Kamel. <laughs> Amen. We are still on a series in the, book, in the book of Hebrews, and um, I'm going to continue from where Pastor Tyler left. He, last week, he finished with the chapter one of the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to continue with the chapter 2 of the book of Hebrews from verse 1 to verse number 4. As we know, the author of Hebrews is unknown. We have no idea who wrote it. But there is an argument that says that it is Paul the apostle who wrote it. The reason for saying that is because of Hebrews chapter number 13 Verse number 18, it says that, pray for us, we are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. And he said, I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. So they believe that this statement made by Paul was because he was in Rome and was arrested, even though he had the freedom to be able to preach the people. And so he was asking them to pray for him that he will be restored. Based on this argument, they say that it may be Paul. Another reason is because of the last two verses of Hebrews chapter 13. Because of the last two verses, that is 22, 24. It says, brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. For in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you greetings. So they say that the fact that he mentioned Timothy, then surely it may be Paul the apostle who wrote the book of Hebrews. But yet they are not sure. There is other arguments of other commentators who are saying that it is not Paul who wrote the book of Hebrews, reasons, is because this is what they say about that. They said the one who wrote Hebrews, the writing is very different. The style is very different. They argue differently. They, de they, they declaims differently. They contracts 
the constructions of the words and the phrases are very different. And his sentences are also very different. Based on those arguments, they say that it is not Paul the Apostle that wrote the book of Hebrews, which is true. When you compare the book of Hebrews to the other letters of, of Paul the Apostle, you will, see, you will not see any similarities between them. They are very different. So based on those arguments, they say that it is not Paul the Apostle that wrote the book of Hebrews. That is why the author of the book of Hebrews is unknown. That's the reason why. Just want to clarify that. <laughs> Amen. And so we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1. Very, very interesting. He says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. We must pay most careful. When someone emphasizes their words, it shows how serious it is for you to pay attention to those words. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Later, you realize that he was talking about salvation, so that we do not drift away from our faith and the salvation of our Lord Jesus. I believe that if the author says that we must, we must pay very careful attention to that, then it means that it is possible to drift away from your faith. Because if it is not possible, you will not bring to your attention to pay that much attention to it. I was speaking to Pastor Steve. And it said that when we are drifting from our faith, we drift slowly. It starts when you stop praying, and then you stop reading your word, and then you stop coming to church, and then you stop giving. And you know when you stop giving to God and giving to the church, you know that your heart is not there anymore. Because whatever your heart is in, you spend money on it. And when you stop doing that, then you begin to question your faith. You begin to ask yourself, is this, th is this thing really real? Is God really real? This whole Christian thing, is it really real? You begin to question your faith. When an individual gets to that point, that person needs spiritual emergency rescue. When an individual gets this point and you know anybody at that point, that person needs an emergency rescue before it is too late. Because at that point, the enemy is going to pull the way really far from God and the person's heart can be hardened. And when the, pres the person's heart gets hardened, it becomes extremely difficult for them to regain back their salvation. It is possible to drift. I know what it means to be in the world. And I know what it means to be in Christ as a believer. I know the difference. I'm going to talk about that later. But let, look, let, let us look at what Jesus Christ talks about a category of people 
who easily found themselves drifting all the time when it comes to their faith. And he gave a parable about the sower, which is in Matthew chapter number 13, verse number 4. I'm going to read that. Matthew chapter number 13, verse number 4. He says, As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate, ate it, ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, a sixty, a thirty times what was sown. Later, in Matthew chapter number 19, Jesus Christ explains the parable. And this is what he said. He said, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Verse 20. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Verse 22, he says, The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Jesus gives a category of people who easily drift away from their faith. And these are the categories. Those who do not understand the word anytime it is preached or anytime they study it. Because the word is so powerful and it will have a great effect in their lives, the fact that they don't understand it, the enemy comes to take it away from them. Because of that, it bears no fruit. Then there are others who receive the word with joy. But when persecution comes because of what they have believed based on the word, and there is pressure, from people around them, their colleagues at work, their friends, their family, they tend to go away from what they have believed. Then the third group of people, it says, those who receive the word, but because of the deceitfulness of wealth, the deceitfulness of wealth and, 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 and the pleasure of this world chokes the word, and because of that, they become unfruitful. And this category of people, they easily drift away from the faith. And Jesus gives all this category of people. Let me say that this is an anchor, okay, anchor. And then I have this anchor with me. And I throw it over there. And it lands on the rock 
which is Jesus. And Jesus is firm. He's unshakable. He's unmovable. This is life. In this life, everybody gets to a point of temptation. And everybody can easily drift. Or it's possible to anyone to drift. No matter who you are. You cannot stay in the presence of the Lord all the time. Temptation will happen. Things will happen. And you begin to drift. You begin to drift. But it gets to a point, you can only go so far. And you will feel that something is stopping you. And that is the anchor. When you get to that point, it means that you are saved. But if you get to the point where nothing stops you, and you can easily go to the world and then do whatever you want to do and then feel like you are coming back again, it means you are not saved. But if you are saved and then you are drifting away from the anchor and from the rock, it will stop you because you are saved. So when you come to a place of anxiety, a place of worry, a place, a place of fear, and you feel like you are drifting away, a place of giving up, then the anchor will hold you. David said in Psalms, he said, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Because he knows that anytime he is drifting away, the word of the Lord will hold him steadfast. So he doesn't drift away. And that is the power of the word. To be able to hold you, not to drift away to the point where you begin to question your faith. Because we are anchored to Jesus, the unmovable rock. Amen. Oh, amen. And that is my truth number one. It is very essential for, her to, for us to hold firm to our belief. It is very essential for us to hold firm to our belief. And because of that, it will help us to be able to become fruitful and bear fruits. And when our fruits, when we bear fruits, we'll be able to be a blessing to others. Nobody, nobody bears fruits and they eat the fruits alone. Other people become a beneficiary of those fruits. Amen. <laughs> Let me go to truth number two. It is very essential for us to walk in obedience of faith. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse number seven. It says, "For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk." based on what we have believed and whom we have believed, who is our Lord Jesus. And we don't walk by sight of circumstances, pressure of the world, and what the world is displaying before us. That takes me to the verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 2. It says, For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. 
Let me repeat it again. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. The messages of angels, anytime it was disobeyed, or anytime people violated it, they got punished. How much more the message of our Lord Jesus? Let me give you a typical example in the scriptures. Lord's wife. The Bible says that the angels of the Lord gave strict commands and instructions when they were about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he told them, he said, leave the city and as you go, do not turn back to look and see what is going on behind you. The Bible says that whilst they were going, the wife of Lot turned her back to see what was going on. And she turned into a pillar of salt. She died instantly because she disobeyed. Another example is Zacchaeus, Zacharias, the husband of Elizabeth. The Bible says that he went to the temple, as the custom says, it was his time to offer incense. And when he went into the temple, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, the angel Gabriel, and gave him a message that his wife is going to bear a son. And he's going to call the son John. After he received the message, he questioned the angel in, in an unbelief. He said, I am old. My wife is old. How possible can it be? And the angel said, because you have questioned me in this belief, this is what will happen to you. The angel made him dumb. He couldn't speak anymore. Just because he questioned the angel in this belief. So in the olden days, in the times of the angels, Anytime they gave an instructions and then people disobeyed or violated it, they were punished. And the, author, and the author of Hebrews says that, For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. Verse 3, How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? How shall we escape if we ignore the great message of our Lord Jesus? The message that came with evidence. The message that came with power. The message that came so true. How can we ignore such a message when the messages given, to, given by angels brought punishment when people disobey? How much more the message of salvation? It means that when we come to a place of ignoring the truth, of disobeying the truth of our faith, we are bringing ourselves to a place of destruction. But I pray that the Lord will help us. Amen? How shall we escape if we so ignore a great salvation? We need to come to a place where we will walk in the obedience of our faith. Knowing that what we have believed, what we have experienced, what we have seen is sure, is true, and is still firm. 
you know, circumstances of life, challenges of life, situations of life can bring you to a place of doubt. Everybody gets there, including me. But that does not bring us to a place to question our faith. There is a place of doubt. Typical example, a man brought his son to Jesus Christ. First, sorry, first he brought his son to the disciples. And then he told the disciples, heal my son. Because he has heard of the stories where the, the disciples have healed so many people. And the Bible says that the disciples did everything they could to heal the boy, but they couldn't heal him. And Jesus came. And this is what the man told Jesus. He said, please, I brought my son to the disciples to heal him, but they could not do so. Can you please heal him if you can? And Jesus replied to him, if I can, all things are possible to them that believe. I love the response of the man. He said, I believe, but please help my unbelief. In other words, everybody gets to a point based on the challenges they've gone through. Based on the circumstances they've gone through. They come to that point of unbelief and doubt in Christ. And even in their faith, everybody gets there. But at that point, that is when, that is when you are drifting. But yet your anchor is keeping you firm, not to give up. The place to see that surely, based on what I've experienced, Based on what I have seen in my faith and in my work with Christ. Based on what I have been able to, 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 to experience, there is no way I can come to that place of saying or questioning my faith. There is no way I can come to that point. So it is very important for us to walk in the obedience of faith. Amen? Truth number three. The proof of our salvation is our personal story. The proof of my salvation is my story. The proof of your salvation is your story. The proof of our salvation together is our story. Let me read the verse, the verse 3 and verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 2. It says, How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. <laughs> it was confirmed. The salvation message of our Lord Jesus Christ was confirmed by those who heard it because they heard him. They heard him. They were there. They saw the signs. They saw the miracles. They experienced all the great things anyone on earth could experience with God. They saw it. And because of that, their faith was firm. 
And it says that it was also confirmed by the distribution of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The evidence of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as at that time was so strong that they knew that the salvation they have heard and received was true. And the gifts of the Spirit is still working to today. If somebody tells you that it doesn't work anymore, tell them Emmanuel said it's not true. I've experienced a lot of them. They experienced it with signs and wonders, with miracles, with gifts of the Spirit. They saw it. They experienced it. They experienced the power of the Lord. They experienced the greatness of the Lord. They saw everything they have to see. Because of that, they knew exactly what they saw. So their faith was not shaken. That is why they could easily give up their lives. That is why they didn't care how they could be killed. But yet they also persist to bring the salvation message to other people just so that they can be saved, just so that they can be saved. <laughs> the proof of my salvation is my story. The proof of your salvation is your story. You may not experience the miracles he's talking about. Or you may not have experienced the miracles he's talking about. But yet, you know your story. You know who you were before you became born again and who you are now. <laughs> At least, I don't know about your story, but I know about my story. I know what I would have become without Christ and what I have become with Christ. Let me give you a glimpse of what I could have become. <laughs> I have an ambition, and my ambition is to be a womanizer. Is to be able to have different girls from different tribes. And based on where I'm coming from, that is the dream. The more girls you, are, you have as a young man, the more powerful you are. So I was drifting away. How do I know? When I turned 18, I said, now I am an adult. The first thing I did was to go to a club. I went to the club because I was 18. I was ready to enjoy the pleasures of the world. I was ready to live my life anyhow. I could have become a drug addict. I could have gone very far and find myself in a place where it would have become very difficult to find myself where I am. But grace found me. Grace found me. At the age of 19 years old, grace found me. And the Lord Jesus Christ arrested me and brought me to himself. I got saved at the age of 19 years old. In the, in, in the period of one year of my experience with Christ, I loved God so much. And I said, I want to give my life to his cause. That is why I'm here today. <laughs> you have your story. I'm sure your story will even be more powerful than mine because you know where you were before he saved you. So the proof of our salvation is your story. It's our story. The proof of our salvation is our story. 
my story, your story. That is the proof. You have no explanation to give, but you can give your story that I know I am saved. I know what I have believed. I know whom I have believed because I have a story. Because I have a story. Let me give you a typical example in the scripture. Very, very interesting. The story is in John chapter number 9. I'll read only the verse 25. But let me give you a background story of what happened over there. The Bible says that Jesus Christ meets a blind man who wants to be healed. And he places mud on his eyes and asks him to go and wash it. When he went to the pool and he washed his eyes, he began to see. He was so excited. He was joyful. He was celebrating everywhere and jumping around because now he could see to be able to jump. <laughs> and the Bible says that people were amazed. And the Pharisees saw the man. So they called him to question him. And when they questioned him, they asked him, who healed you? And he said, the preacher, the rabbi, the one who has been healing everybody else, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they said, no, it is not possible because the man is a sinner. <laughs> There's no way he could do what you have said. Are you sure you were blind? He said, yes, I was blind. And now I can see. They didn't believe him. And so they called for his parents. And his parents came. And they asked his parents. They said, are you sure this is your son? They said, yes. Are you sure he was born blind? They said, yes. They said, but the man who healed him is a sinner. How come he got healed by the man? Are you sure it was the man that healed him? They said, well, he's an adult. You can ask him yourself. He got healed. All we know is that he was born blind. So they called the man again the second time. And this was his response in John chapter 9, verse number 25. Can I have the band come back? John chapter 9, verse number 25. The Bible says he replied the second time when they called him. He said, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Whether he's a sinner or not. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. No matter what the world says about Jesus, whether he's not the only one to salvation, whether he's not the only one to be able to go to heaven, no matter what they say about my Christ, about my Jesus, I don't care. All I care is that I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> no matter what they say, no matter what they tell me to discourage me, no matter what the news projects before us, no matter the movement that is going ahead and our, our children is coming to a place of confusion, the devil is a liar, we will still give our story to our generation and our children, let them understand we don't care what they do in this world because the world will still be the world. What we know is that we have a story. We knew who we were 
when we were blind and we know who we are today, now that we can see. Praise Jesus, I can see. Praise Jesus, I am saved. Let me read the whole scripture of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 and 4, all together. Verse number 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Verse number 2. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord bless his word. Amen. Pray before I go. Please pray with me.